Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Chesta Hope Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ortiz. Today, we are here with Shauna and Maria from the Child Abuse Prevention Council. Hello, ladies. How are you today? Hi. Great. Thank you for having us. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, The Child Abuse Prevention Council is actually a program that is important to me. Um, After a uh, traumatic relationship, I actually got help from you guys for my five-year-old with play therapy and that sort of thing. So I really, really can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you coming down to talk to us about the programs and stuff. Now, Shauna, you're the developmental director, and Maria, you do community, you're the community outreach coordinator, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now, Shauna, tell me a little bit about what you do. So, I'm the development director, so I oversee the marketing department, and then I do a lot of um, liaisons with our donors, events, um, again, overseeing the marketing department, making sure that everything that's coming through our company is branded and that type of thing, so... And um, when you talk about donors, um, mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of donors do you know help the the um, I'm just um, I'm gonna call it CAPC because that's okay. that's, that's how right. <laughs> <laughs> instead of repeating Child Abuse Prevention Council, we're gonna, I've heard it as CAPC. So yep. um, so um, what kind of donors do you get um, that come and help CAPC? So we have donors who give financially, and then we have volunteers who come in and help as well. We have a few different volunteer programs. One is being able to go in and help the kids in the classroom uh, when COVID lets us open back up. (laughs) That's a great opportunity for people to come in. Um, We also offer a nursery, so we have people who can come in and hold babies. Um, Our CASA program is a great way to volunteer, helping our foster youth. And then we also use volunteers for our events. So lots of volunteer opportunities. Um, now, you talked about, so the nursery, tell me a little bit more about the nursery, because I haven't heard about that before, so they come in and hold, are these like babies that are in foster care that, um, that, you know, just need the person-to-person contact, Mm -hmm. or is it? Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so let me kind of back up a second. The Child Abuse Prevention Council is um, based on three different, we call them pillars, three pillars that hold up most of what we do. The first one is our early education departments. So we are working with um, many Head Start families, um, so families that meet an income threshold Mm -hmm. in order to offer quality preschool because we know that those first five years are so important and brain development. Yes. So we are in there um, working with those families and those kiddos. Many of those people that um, we work with might have some other types of crisis going on. Mm-hmm. And so that way we can go in and deal with the crisis with the child or the family really early on and offer resources. So right now we are seeing about 800 students a day throughout San Joaquin County. And that's about 32 different programs, 28 sites, 32 classrooms of Head Start. So. That's a great opportunity for us to get in there and really work hands-on with our kiddos. Besides that, we offer a daycare program, and that's offered at our Stockton location in downtown, and we take um, babies from zero all the way up through preschool. And it's a daycare program, and then we also have a respite program, and a respite program works with families that are in immediate crisis. Um, I always give the example, maybe you um, are taking in your sister's child because she CPS got involved. Right. And... Um, um, you have to go to work on Monday and you got the child on Friday. What, what do you do? <laughs> um, and so they can call the Child Abuse Prevention Council and they can go in and have a safe place for that child to go Monday and we can work with them till we figure out what resource or what daycare is going to be best fit that's for them. awesome. Because so. that's, that's kind of a thing that you don't really think about. Like, okay, you know, you might have a family member who unfortunately is, you know, lost to the streets mm-hmm. or, the, or drugs mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. 
and um, you know they might have to take in a night. That's not something you really think about. Like, well, what is that person going to do if they, you know they have a job? What is the, you know right. they. So that's that's a that's really really awesome. And we work closely with the homeless shelters too with that program because a lot of people will come into the shelter and they have small child in tow. Well, it's not healthy for small child to sit there and learn about the resources and what mom and dad have to do and and go through um, all of the things that they need to do to try to put their life back together. That that child needs a safe place where they can go be a kid. Yeah, and, and absolutely. That's, and that's what we are. Oh, that's great. Yeah, um, my son went through play therapy and mm-hmm. and it was. It was really, really helpful for him to, um, with behavioral wise and stuff like that, and and it 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 gave my son um, better self esteem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially being four years old, coming out of a very such scary situation and things like that. And and at first he was he was very um, he was. He was very defiant, very, very defiant, you know, and your counselor that was working with him, she was just calm, cool, collective, understanding, you know, like I, I was upset. I had, you know, she could see my eyes feeling, filling with tears basically. And, and just the level of understanding and then, you know, the, the knowledge that she had that I wouldn't even think of, like, like with the Play-Doh things and, and, you know, and, and, um, bubbles and, you know, working all those little things into, into therapy and then watching my son get back his self-esteem and, and feel safer and, and that sort of thing. It's, I think it's, it's so important. And, and I just, it's, it's just amazing to me that all you're telling me about all these programs and I, I had no idea that you guys really, really did all of that. Yes. So speaking about therapy, that is our second pillar will be our clinical services. So we do specialize in children zero to five um, that have had any kind of trauma or crisis. And that's what our clinical department does. And then our third pillar is our family strengthening, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Family strengthening. I like that. Um, Maria, you're the community outreach coordinator. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do at um, CAPC? Yes. Um, so I work directly with Shauna in the marketing department. I focus a lot on the social media coordination that we do. I do a lot of the graphic design. And one of my favorite parts of my position is actually working in the schools with children. Now, I can't do that um, due to COVID. Um, right. So what I've done is I've done um, our programs pinwheels for prevention and partially our human trafficking presentations that we do and that's part of our community education outreach Um, that's in partnership with human services and so what we do is we go out to the schools we talk to kids about um, safe adults good secrets and bad secrets um, stranger danger cyberbullying internet safety and then a lot of that is tailored to age groups. So we start all the way from pre-K to third grade. We do another presentation for fourth through sixth. Mm-hmm. And then we also tailor it to sixth through eighth grade. And a lot of that focuses on, depending on what age group you are in, it's going to answer a lot of the questions that you may have about maybe you just got a phone. Maybe you don't know how to safely navigate the internet. Maybe you're in the store with a stranger and they're looking at you kind of funny and it makes you feel weird and you don't know how to talk to another adult about it and you run to mom and you don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. Because little kids have big feelings, they have big emotions, and sometimes it doesn't come across the way that you want to express it. So empowering them, teaching them how to feel and what to say kind of gives them a little bit more strength in that area. Mm -hmm. And then after these presentations, we like to kind of ask questions. Okay, what are you going to do in this situation? We have exercises that we usually do in the classroom as well. Um, so now that we've done this um, as a digital presentation that we've put into remote learning, 
um, we're actually pushing this out into the classroom so that teachers can use it as part of their health curriculum. Um, so it's actually been really helpful. It's um, getting a lot of really great attention and the kids are really enjoying the presentations because they get to watch a few videos and demonstrations mm -hmm. about um, certain practical exercises. And um, other than that, I'm, I help Shauna with all of the events that we have throughout the year at CAPC. Um, we have some really big events um, actually coming up for the holidays that we kind of help out and give back to the community. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just my forte. Now tell me, you mentioned good secrets, bad secrets. What is that? Good secrets are secrets that you can save for a rainy day. You can um, keep a secret as a surprise birthday party. Um, a good secret is something that doesn't hurt anyone and it doesn't hurt you. Mm -hmm. A bad secret is obviously something that you have to keep because someone threatened you to keep it. It's something that you have to keep from other people because someone may be hurt in the process mm -hmm. or it has to do with bullying or physical harm. And so the differentiation between this, especially when it comes to age groups, can be a little bit difficult for some children to understand. So making that extremely clear and giving them examples of what makes a good secret and what makes a bad secret kind of gives them that clarity and that freedom to be able to express, okay, this is not okay and I don't want it to happen to me. Right. No, I think that's, I think that's a good, I think that's great because I think little kids, like, they know that something makes them feel icky. Exactly. They just don't know how to you know, express that into words. And, and then, um, did, you, did you? Yeah, so I was going to say, a lot of times, you know, people in our elementary schools and preschools, we're talking about, you know, don't bully, we're talking about don't do drugs. But a lot of people are understanding that nobody's talking to our kids about child abuse. And we know that one in four will be abused by the age of 24. Mm -hmm. This is a pandemic. This this is a true, serious um I mean, issue yeah, it's a crisis, yeah, it's a crisis. Mm -hmm. and and we really need to have people start those conversations with kids because a lot of them are being abused at home and they don't even know it yep that's they're normal and they don't know it's abuse so what we're doing is we're trying to put a face to that yeah and, and i think that's great like teaching kids like you know you might see this every day but it's not okay like like if it um so are is is head start back open um it is. We it are is. still serving families, and we have um, actually continued serving families all throughout the pandemic. So um, we've been helping them out and, you know, assisting to make sure that peer, their parents can still go back to work and we can take care of their kids. And, you know, our classrooms are clean and safe and we're helping them out. We're, we're still continuously enrolling. Mm -hmm. So it's been really great to kind of have that for our community so the parents don't have to worry about who's going to watch my kid. Where do I go? Do I have to get a second job? So yeah. we're still there and we're still offering that support. But and we have we have enrollment. We are enrolling right now. So half of our classrooms are open. The other ones are virtual. So we are enrolling for both. Um, our virtual classrooms, as soon as COVID hit, we went right to Facebook before anybody even had an idea of what we were going to do. We said, okay, each class is going to have a Facebook group. And uh, we don't want to lose track of um, the parents and the families that we are are serving every mm. day and a lot of them are struggling and it's very important especially when COVID hit that we had a way to be able to connect with them and with those children and so immediately we set up Facebooks we've um, done some other types of virtual learning now so we've really progressed from them but we have not closed like Maria said we haven't closed the whole entire time we've been offering service. yeah when COVID happened um it was it was a little scary because we we didn't know you know well, what's going to happen with the counseling mm. and and then um one one of the counselors we had video chat mm -hmm. so my son would get to have the phone and and it actually made him feel good because 
he sees adults on the phone doing video chat and that sort of thing and telehealth and, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then it, this was about him, you know? Mm-hmm. So he'd get the phone and she'd be like, oh, show me your favorite toy. And, you know, let me, you know, and, and let's see, where do you sleep and stuff like that. And he was so happy to have somebody take interest in him and what his home life was about. Like he got in-home visits. Um, do you guys still do in-home visits? Yes, we do. You do? Okay. Yeah. Those were, those were really helpful too. Um, in the beginning, in the beginning, it was a little difficult because my son, um, he was a little apprehensive to have somebody come into his home when, you know, we had just moved into a new place to escape, to get away from the situation. And he was worried about having people come in. She came in with games and, you know, sat on the floor with him and got, and just, just the little details that I saw made a difference to him. And so I, I think it's really, really great that um, you guys are still doing those things. You guys have the virt- virtual programs. You're using, you know, a a, a, med- a method of, of telehealth and, and video chatting and that kind of thing. Um, now, what, um, what made you decide to get um, into this field and to work with um, Child Abuse Prevention Council? Um, I actually am a licensed foster parent as well. Um, and I have a foster child who's now my daughter, Mackenzie. She speaks, so I can speak freely of her. <laughs> she comes out <laughs> and actually does speaking engagements about her life. Um, her parents were addicts. Um, and so she is actually in college now. So yay! Congratulations! That's, that's huge because we know 50% of our foster youth won't graduate from high school. So to uh, actually have her in college is really exciting. But that's how I kind of got into it. And then I was working a faith-based program called Safe Families, um, which um, helps parents um, that are struggling to take in their children before CPS gets involved mm-hmm. um, to try to give them every chance to try to get it together. <laughs> and so I was working that faith-based program and then I heard about the Child Abuse Prevention Council and um, met the executive director and we hit it off and I have been there about eight years going on. Yeah, nine eight years. Eight years? Oh, wow. And, and you, Maria? Um, I'm actually a child abuse survivor. Um, as a kid, I grew up in a, in a very difficult household. Um, I didn't really have a lot of parental supervision, and one of the one of the biggest reasons that I left home was to join the military and to get away from that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, after I got out, um, I graduated, and uh, I actually majored in um, art history and event design. So I was a wedding planner for a really long time, and that was one of my favorite activities, was just making parties and happy events mm-hmm. for people because they get to celebrate awesome things in their life. So when I found this position come up, Um, And I got to meet Shauna and the team, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. It's like a way to give back, but also a way to still, you know, incorporate that that part of me that loves to coordinate and do those event things. Um, So that was just, it kind of came full circle. That's really cool. You have a background in, you know, being a veteran. Um, and then having the, the, which, and being a veteran, you see a lot of us, um, you're a veteran, I'm a veteran. Um, a lot of us do, um, leave for the military to leave, you know, bad situations, you know, or situations that we, we have, we don't feel any way of other, other option to get out of that situation. And then, so to, to use that, um, that background of the structure and, and, you know, and the integrity that you gain in the military and then to mix that with event management and to come into, I think that's, I think that's pretty cool because that kind of, it's, it's neat to see all those kind of things string together and, and make it work. Um, now, 
Um, what is, what's the Lisa project? I've seen it by there, um, mm -hmm. but I don't really know a lot about it. What, what, can you tell me more about that, Shauna? Yeah, definitely. So as Maria said, we do a lot of community outreach, which is our, which is, excuse me, our pinwheels for prevention, which is our child abuse and um, prevention campaigns where we're out educating that we talked about. And that goes usually from preschool up to about middle school. And we really found, um, that, what we weren't educating anybody older or our community and that we that was really something we were lacking so um gene harden i'll give him a a, <laughs> a quick plug <laughs> a quick plug um came up with the idea of how do we explain to our community the things that we are seeing every day how do we let them take the hand of an abused child and really see what's happening to one in four of our children mm -hmm. and they came up with the lisa project so it is an exhibit about child abuse it's very very powerful um, if you are interested in um, visiting it, we are it's open by appointment right now, mm -hmm. so you can come in and visit the Lisa Project. But it's I don't want to give too much about it because you really need to be um, with just it's it's something that needs to be experienced because it's fully immersive, mm -hmm. and it's just one of those things that really pushes you to the limit of beginning a conversation about something that normally is very taboo. You don't want to talk about, you know, someone being abused. Mm -hmm. And you definitely don't want to talk about a child being abused because you don't want to step on a parent's toes or you don't want to be involved. But the thing is, when you when you experience this, you start to think, wow, I need to say something. And so I, it's just very important. And I've seen, um, it's, it's like its own little... It's like its own structure outside, almost like a trailer, right? And it's a walkthrough. There's two, actually. So the Lisa Project, which is our main exhibit, is located in Stockton. It's on California Street downtown. And that is like a modular home. And then we also have what we call the Lisa in 10. And that is a 10-minute version that is pipe and drape and can be set up. It tours a lot of the high schools. So as you see, now we have education all the way through high school level. Mm -hmm. And then it can also go out to like conferences. Like, um, for instance, it was at Kaiser. They had a big... A child abuse conference and we bring it into a room and set it up because it is pipe and drape and that's a 10 minute version so there's two versions that are available right so now. for our listeners who don't know what pipe and drape means okay. what it what, what is pipe and so drape? it's um temporary like it can collapse and come back up and collapse and come okay back up. okay so kind of portable that's where portable. it's like, okay, portable. Yeah. <laughs> um now you said so for um it's by appointment and it's by appointment to go to the trailer one and then for folks who want um the 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 mobile one um they can call you and and set it up and stuff like that Correct. do you have any kind of like um requirements enable for somebody do you like do you have like they need to be uh, a learning institution or anything like that or like if like let's say if the chest of hope wanted to have that at one of their events would you be able to do that Yes, definitely. So the big Lisa stays in one place, but the 10 minute version, we, there is a small fee associated with that just to run it. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, we can rent that out per se to anybody. Um, and it is open to everybody and it's great as a training tool, especially I know that our Stockton PD comes through it. Um, we have law enforcement that comes through it, medical field, so that people have an idea before they are exposed to child abuse in your face right now, mm -hmm. you're kind of prepared because you've seen something like this before. So it's a really great training tool. Um, we use it for all of our mandated reporter trainings as well that we do throughout the county. We will invite those participants to come and um, view the Lisa Project. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's really, really interesting. Um, now, Maria, um, 
do you do you help directly with the Lisa project or um, are you do you have any like special projects of your own that you work on um, yourself like do you do you have you do um, like what do you do as far as outreach like do you contact people and say like hey we're you know that tell me a little bit about the outreach that you do um, so I do actually work with Jean um, with the Lisa in 10 we do visit high schools and we do offer that tour which um, as Shauna said it's it's an exhibit, um, but it is portable, so it's still audiovisual stimulating. Um, and so we do help the students go through that. And then if we do, for example, have a student who wants to kind of discuss what they just experienced, um, we're, we're there to kind of offer counseling to kind of lend an ear so that we can just kind of listen and um, connect them to appropriate resources. Um, so that's one of the things that I do work on. Um, throughout the year, I do help Shauna with some of our bigger events. Um, so our biggest events, I would say, are probably Ducky Derby in the spring. And then we also have um, Adopt-A-Family in the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, Ducky Derby is probably um, one of the more exciting events. It's very unique to the CAPC. Yeah, I want to hear about that. <laughs> um, this year, we actually went virtual. And it was um, actually a huge surprise to us. It, went, it was so successful because normally Ducky Derby is just one of those events that is has to you have to be there to experience it. Um, everyone gets a special little duck. And every duck gets a number and you are part of this giant raffle and everyone gets to participate. And with all of these raffles, you get a number. Um, That number is associated with your donation and then you are entered in for incredible prizes. It's a really cool um, community event. Um, We participate all throughout Stockton, all throughout the county. And then essentially at the end, we drop all of these ducks, thousands of ducks into the Delta. And so you can imagine they're just tiny little rubber ducks just floating down the delta. There's a finish line. It's a race. And everybody gets so excited. Little kids really, really enjoy oh. it. It's super cool. And um, it's actually been going on for how how many years Five now? years, yeah. Five, it's years? All five yeah. years? And it's Mother's Day weekend. It's Mother's, Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. The Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. So the weather, weather is always great. It's always <laughs> great. <laughs> it is. Um, but that's a really, really exciting event. This year, as I said, we did go virtual. Um, so we had kind of like a, a little video simulation of the same, you know, process. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turned out really, really cool. And then normally I run the social media on that. And we kind of do like little guessing games um, via our Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, the other event that's actually coming up very soon, next couple weeks, is our Adopt-A-Family event. And what we do is we connect donors throughout the community with families that have been specially nominated that are receiving services from the CAPC. So I wouldn't say it's particularly exclusive, but it kind of is. We really, really want to make sure that the families we're serving are having a great holiday season. Right. So what we do is we make sure that we guarantee that the donor is going to help this family um, in any way they can, whether it's with clothes, shoes, special wishes, any kind of toy that they can provide for the children and these families. Um, we collect all the gifts. Um, we wrap them all up. Everything looks great. And then we put them in a huge storeroom for these families to come and pick up so that they have something to put under the tree or to um, to actually open on their, you know, their holiday event. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another huge undertaking. That has been going on yes. a little bit longer. Yes, that's been going on a very long time. It's changed um, what it what it's looked like to over, yeah. the, over the years. But many of the um, families that we... Uh, get nominated for adoptive family again like maria say they have to be getting services through us it is not open to the public and it are families that are truly struggling and trying to break those cycles of sometimes generational generational child abuse Mm -hmm. or neglect or whatever crisis is happening so um and then we're coming in and offering them the christmas presents i mean my favorite thing i would have to say is shauna and i were talking about this last year but i think the best part of experiencing adoptive family is seeing families come back to 
pay it forward. We've had a lot of families that will get together in groups um, and they will just kind of discuss CAPC really helped me out and I really want to be able to help another family. Mm -hmm. Because the chances are that when you're receiving from um, services from the CAPC, you're not going to be in crisis mode forever. We really want to assist people and get them back on their feet so that they can actually be a strong family and move forward as a unit. So essentially what we do is we'll allow these families to come back and they can adopt new families and they have so much joy and so much pleasure in being able to give back. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a really cool thing to be able to watch in that. Um, Another thing that I actually want to bring up that actually really excited me because of the pandemic was we had this um, kind of a campaign that we did through social media and we called it Not All Learning is Done in the Classroom. Um, It's still available on our website if you'd like to visit that. Um, But we we started right at the beginning of um, when COVID hit. And essentially, these are just teaching your kids life skills. And we formulated it so that it starts all the way from baby age um, all the way up to um, older teens. And it has to do with exercise or, you know, just around the house skills, um, budgeting, finance, school skills, all these different things that, you know, maybe maybe your 16-year-old really wants to fix her jacket or, or do something, but she has no idea how to sew a button. Mm-hmm. Well, we're just kind of giving them, you know, quick links or ideas or um, tips and tricks to kind of get to a point where they are self-sufficient and they don't constantly need to, you know, research or ask for help. And so they feel empowered and a little bit more independent. Um, so that was a really cool curriculum that we put together. And it just kind of went over a series of weeks. Yeah, so not all learning is done in the classroom. There's lots of stuff we can learn outside the classroom. So, yeah, that's a really great program. We also have our Casa Superhero Run. Yes. That oh, was... yeah, tell me about that. What's it? The... I'm, I'm hearing all these programs, and I'm like, oh, Ducky Derby? Like, how do I get a ducky? And then, <laughs> and, and then, and then what was the one you just mentioned? I'm sorry. Casa, or Casa Superhero Run. Casa yes. Superhero Run. Yeah, yes. what is that? Um, so this year we actually did go virtual. It was kind of a unique experience because a lot of people don't think about runs as virtual. Um, but our, vir- our virtual registration was built on a website. And essentially what you would do is sign up, get registered. You would get a bib. Um, we would send you a, a quick, cute little Casa bandana so that you could have it when you're going on your run. And then you just go on your run or walk wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the requirement is essentially just a 5K. So you just complete that. You can turn in your times. And then you just get to participate in this run that directly contributes to our CASA program. Okay. And what is CASA, do you ask? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the next question. This is Shauna's passion project right here. (laughs) I love CASA. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. It is a volunteer program that works with the foster youth of San Joaquin County. Um, there are CASA programs all over um, the United States, but the CASA program in our county is ran under the umbrella of the Child Abuse Prevention Council. And what we do is we are out recruiting volunteers and um, they go through 30 hours of training, but it's really interesting. It's not like hard. It's very interesting learning about how um, Child Protective Services works, what's going on in the foster care system, all of that type of thing. And then once that volunteer is done with their training and background checks, they're actually sworn in as an officer of the court, just like a bailiff is, right? Um, And because they need to have access to that child's medical history Mm -hmm. and educational history. And then what happens is when a child in foster care goes before the judge and the judge says, okay, this child's grades are slipping, maybe they're not connecting with anybody, they seem to be really struggling, the judge will call us and say, I think that this child needs a CASA. And then that puts us into gear and we take one of our volunteers and we coordinate them with one of our foster youth. Um, I said earlier a couple of the statistics that follow our foster youth, one that is just so 
upsets me the most is the education part. You know, 50% won't graduate from high school. That's that's crazy. I think you had written down one that you thought was interesting. What was yours? Um, 70, the one in five. Oh, that, yeah, I was, um, the, the one that stuck out to me was um, the the pregnancy rate mm-hmm. of foster children. You yeah. know, um, it's, it's, it's extremely hard being a teen mom, especially in California with cost of living, cost of mm-hmm. everything, you know, yes. and, and so I, I, that statistic itself really jumped out at me. I think it said something like 71%. Yes, yes yeah. exactly. Um, so it's, and then now for, let's say you have, you have a homeless teen who mm-hmm. is pregnant and how do you help, how would you help them? If the judge has said that they want a CASA? Um, just in general, like let's say, let's say you had a, a, a teenager who is pregnant, who comes from a bad home situation, mm-hmm. but let's say maybe they're afraid, you know what I mean, to report their parents or that sort of thing. Would they be able to come to you and kind of get um, um, confidential services? Or, or is there a, a requirement to report or that sort of thing? Right. So if they're under age, that obviously we need to report to CPS because we are mandated reporters. Mm-hmm. So that is something that we will need to do. But we can also try to get them in the CASA program because we know that the one thing that's going to change all these statistics mm-hmm. is that one caring, loving adult in their life. That can change it all. Yeah. And um, that's what we need to do. We're on a growth plan right now for our CASA program where we want to, right now we serve about 6% of the foster youth in San Joaquin County and um, we want to serve 25% by 2025. So that's a lot of volunteers that we are recruiting right now and funding to support those volunteers. So um, if that is a program that is near and dear to your heart uh, please call us we need volunteers to work with these foster youth and the commitment is only an hour or two a week it's oh. nothing it's nothing grand it's nothing that you have to know all about psychology and no we we are there to help you every step of the way we just need you to be a friend to one of our foster youth and how do you screen your volunteers so they go through extensive background checks, mm-hmm. and then they will go through the training as well, and then interviews and things like that. And then we try to um, fit, like if you say, I really want to work with a teen girl or a smaller child, a smaller um, you know, little boy or whatever that may be, we try to fix what we think would be the best fit for you. Yeah. And you're never alone. I want to stress that. We are always with you every step of the way. Um, it's just somebody to go have coffee with, you know, one of the teens that doesn't really have anything, especially during COVID. COVID has hit our foster care system very I hard. can't even imagine. You know, they're already imagine. isolated. Mm-hmm. They're already have had a trauma. COVID is a trauma, right? It's unexpected. <laughs> it's rocking your world. It's a trauma. Mm-hmm. And to re-traumatize our children like that, our foster youth, some of them have lost their placements. Um, that happened very early on. We had some that they're foster parents were elderly and weren't comfortable because of all of the information that was coming out Mm -hmm. and said, we, we can't have you live here. You've lived here for three years and you can't live here anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, plus they're not going to school. They're not seeing their friends. We've severed their support systems. Causes are so important. So, so important. We hear about these horrendous, um, child abuse cases like Gabriel, um, Gabriel Fernandez. Fernandez. Oh, Maybe you saw yeah. like, the Netflix I couldn't. Documentary. I, cu- I saw the previews yeah. for it. I just I couldn't bring myself to watch that. Right. I, it was... So, but a lot of people have watched that, and that is something very common. They say, in that case, if there would have been a casa, there would have been somebody having eyes on him every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the casas are there to help 
our social workers because they have a hard job and um, their caseloads are large and they're dealing with a lot of trauma. And if you could have that person that has that second set of eyes on our foster youth to make sure that they're not falling through the cracks and that they, they deserve, they deserve every opportunity to succeed Mm because what has happened to them is not their fault. And for us to be able to give that to them um, is amazing. And that's what the CASA program does. And I think that's another hard thing for young people and children to understand that like, like what's going on in your house is not your fault, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes it may feel like, well, you know, they lashed out at me because I made them irritable because I didn't do mm-hmm. this. When really there's an underlying issue to why the parent, you know, like popped off on the child right. or, or, or did something and, and, and took it out, you know, and, and, and on the child. And now, um, how is CASA funded? Um, we beg. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> CASA is really one of the programs at the Child Abuse Prevention Council that is never fully funded, and that's why I say that. Um, there's two. There's our respite program and CASA. So when you are giving a donation, um, unless you specify, probably your funding is going to go to that program. Um, we know the importance of this program. We know this program works, mm-hmm. and it can be life-changing to our community, Right. Because if you take the 1,700 kids that we have in San Joaquin County that are in foster care right now, and we take half of those that aren't going to graduate from high school, right? So we take, what is that, 850 kids, and we drop them into our community with no education, what do you think is going to happen? We know our gang violence is going to go up. Mm-hmm. We know that um, all the things that deal with that, theft will go up, Um Survive, they're going to do what yeah, they think they have, use. you know, yeah. self-medication with street drugs and then, um, other things to trafficking. survive. Yes. Tra- trafficking is huge for our foster kids. Wow. Um, it, it's huge because they're vulnerable. And so we know that all these things are going to go up, but we know that if you put that one caring adult in their life, mm-hmm. it changes those whole statistics. So imagine right now, if we have like a hundred CASAs right now, imagine if we had 500 CASAs, it could change the whole look of our foster care system right here in our county. Yeah. Um, now you guys are, um, you're mainly located in Stockton, correct? You're <laughs> on, are you only located in Stockton? No, no. we are countywide. No, I mean like as far system. as office, like as, yeah. as an office, do you have any satellite offices, other places, or just like, um, with the, um, Head Start, that's mm-hmm. kind of like when you come in and stuff like that, um. Um, do you guys go into the classroom like once a week, twice a week? I can't remember from yes. my son's aged out of, of a child <laughs> of, um, yeah, he's, he's aged out of Head Start, so I'm trying to remember. And it, and then that was pre-COVID, so. Yes. So, um, our main locations are located in Stockton. We do have services countywide. Many of our programs are, um, in the home. So we meet you where you are. You can walk into any of our 28 locations for preschools that are throughout the county mm-hmm. and get services or ask for services as well, or they will connect you with services. So we are out there and available. Um, a lot of the, that third pillar that I said I was going to talk about later on, that's our family strengthening pillar. And um, if I can just take a second and kind of explain what, what that does, um, I'm going to kind of back up and explain it. Child Protective Services, when they get a call, they rank their calls. If that call ranks, let's say a one or a two, that means CPS has to go out and find out what happened. If it ranks somewhere lower, it's outsourced 
to a couple different community organizations and the Child Abuse Prevention Council is one. And we have a program uh, called Safety Net that goes in and does exactly what the social worker would do or the CPS worker and find out what's going on in that in that mm-hmm. community. Um, I'm going to give you an example. We had a gentleman call in on a woman who was not feeding her kids. And he's like, they're fighting over a cup of noodle. You need to get out here and find out what is happening. Um, we show up, literally knock on the door, and... Um, she says, well, I'm on assistance, so welfare. My next check isn't coming till tomorrow or the next day. Mm-hmm. So I need to hold on to this cup of noodle so the kids have something to eat. Well, immediately we're like, why aren't you going to our food banks? San Joaquin County has amazing food banks. And in her case, she had three small children. Um, she had to get them all on the bus. Um, she was having problems getting bus passes, trying to get there at the allotted time she needed to be there. So what our caseworkers then do is literally walk out the front door and said, okay, what's around here? And in this case, there was a church a couple blocks down, literally walks over, knocks on the door of the church and says, do you have a food bank? Yes, we do. Okay. So now what we do is we connect her with the church. So the next time she runs out of food or is in crisis, law enforcement doesn't get called. CPS doesn't get called. She's not a strain on an already strained system. Mm -hmm. She knows she can call us or she knows she can walk down to the church. So we're helping her create those resources, okay? Then once we get them out of um, immediate crisis, then we go back in and we say, okay, now why are you running out of money by the end of the week? Do you need a budgeting class? Do you need to get a part-time job? Do you need a copy of your social security card to get benefits? A lot of people, especially in crisis, don't know how to work the resources of our community. So we will help them, and um, we believe in a hand up, not a handout. Mm-hmm. So we will help them and give them weekly goals that are more manageable to help them get to a stronger place. The stronger we can get the family, chances for child abuse are gonna go down. So remember I said those were families working with Child Protective Services. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, what an amazing program, uh, but why do we have to wait for CPS to get involved? So we have that same exact program. It is called Family Intervention, and it does the exact same thing, and anybody in this community can call in and get those services. There's no, like, income requirements, nothing like that. I think that's really great because um, sometimes, you know, CPS, even just, like, the thought of like having CPS come into your home or come into your life, it's a very, very scary thing because you hear these stories like, oh, well, you know, they're going to take my kids away because I don't have enough food or they're going to take my kids away because they don't have shoes on their feet or, you know, when it's, when it's a, it's a budget thing, it's a, it's a resources thing. And I think it's important for people to know that, that, um, you as a person, you know, as a parent or whatever, you yourself can reach out to CPS. Mm-hmm. You yourself can reach out to the Child Abuse Prevention Council. Like the names might sound intimidating, but really they're actually there to help. Right. You know, like they will, you know, for mandated reporting and things like that, they will, they get, um, you know, they get put in people's lives um, that may be, and it's and it can be scary, but I think one of the things that people don't realize is that as as, as a parent or somebody who's struggling, you can reach out to CPS, you can reach out to you guys, and it's, it's, they welcome, you guys welcome with open arms. CPS is like, you know, thank you for, for coming to us and, and because it's, it's it's going to help you and we want to help you and, right. and, and we, like we want to keep kids with their families we we really do um the child abuse prevention council again like i said we want to strengthen that family because the stronger that family gets those chances of child abuse go down so strengthen the family that's cool well shauna maria i want to say thank you so much for coming and um you know just to wrap it up real quick um just real quick 
give me um, a little information on the Neighbor Aware. Sure. Neighbor Aware campaign is one of the campaigns from the Child Abuse Prevention Council that's running right now. And due to COVID, um, we know that the schools are closed down and a lot of our mandated reporters are not having eyes on our kiddos. And so a lot of our kids that are abuse victims are stuck inside with their perpetrators. And so if you go to our website at nochildabuse.org, um, there's some videos on there and some information for you about what to do, what to look for. And we call it neighbor aware because mandated reporters can't have their eyes on the kids, but neighbors can. Mm -hmm. If you're walking your dog at night and you haven't seen the child next door for a couple days, um, what do you do? Um, when do I call in if it makes you know, my stomach turn or if I feel icky as mm -hmm. the word we were using earlier, um, how do I know when to call? How do I know what to do? We need everybody to be the eyes and ears for our kiddos in our community right now because of COVID. Yeah. We need to have eyes on them. And so when you are walking around, you need to be neighbor aware. And I think that's an overlooked um, consequence of COVID is, yes. is, you know, just that statement in itself just oh, puts a pit in your stomach that, that during COVID, you know, these kids are home with, with, with their abusers um maria real quick you you mentioned that you deal with the social media can you give me the um the social media handles and that sort of thing yes um so if you'd like to follow us on facebook we are the child abuse prevention council um if you'd like to look us up on linkedin we are actually hiring and we would love to have lots of people submit their applications we're hiring from um, teacher positions all the way to site managers and everything in between. That would be uh, Child Abuse Prevention Council of San Joaquin County on LinkedIn. Um, we are also on Instagram constantly posting updates um, and that would be No Child Abuse SJC. No Child Abuse SJC. And then the website um, is, you said nochildabuse.org? Yes. And then, um, and then you have a phone number? Um, our direct line would be um, 209-464-4524. If you'd like to get in touch with us, um, that line is available for 24 hours a day. That's our advice line, and we can connect you to whatever resource you may need. Um, if you'd like to contact uh, Shauna or I, you can contact us at 209-644-5318. And my number is 209-851-3469. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you ladies so much for being here. We had so much to cover. Definitely going to have you back. Um, there's, there's, I have, I have a hundred more questions, you know, and I think this is such great information and I appreciate you ladies. And for everybody out there listening, thank you so much. Once again, um, that website is nochildabuse.org. Um, the 24 hour advice line number is 209-464-4524. And for the Chest of Hope, you can reach us at 209-259-5552. And our website is chestofhope.org. Thank you again, ladies. And for everybody out there, take care and be safe. Thank you. Thank you.